What's up, guys? Welcome to the Underground Church Podcast. This is Abraham, and I'm here with my brother, James. Hey, what's up, guys? So what are we going to be talking about, James? So recently, the oldest traditional Catholic newspaper called The Remnants uploaded a video, and I watched a little bit of it, and I didn't even know it was a Catholic newspaper at first, because everything that the guy here was saying, I think his name is Michael J. Matz, everything he was saying is what the majority of Protestants that I know agree with. And so I had no clue that he was a Catholic. He was calling out the Pope. And, you know, I always thought that the Catholic Church has bolstered its sense of unity as a comparison to Protestants, because they'll always say that Protestants are divided all over the place with multiple denominations. But this newspaper here, the oldest traditional Catholic newspaper in the United States, The Remnants, so they believe that a remnant of Catholics remains that are holding on to the traditional teachings of the Catholic Church and that the Catholic Church slid in the wrong direction after Vatican II, the Second Vatican Council. So it's very interesting. Let's watch some clips of what he has to say today um, because this is, this is great. I think that Protestants should be aware of this. Obviously, we share disagreements with all Catholics on doctrine. But I found it fascinating what's going on in the Catholic Church right now mm. and just how on point these guys were on these specific topics here. Well, one of the things that so, yeah. I wanted to point out is that I have family, and James, I think you have family that are Catholic? That's correct. And so I think that I've at least, and I know James, you have, done our part to make sure that at least we tell them what the gospel is. And every time I visit, make sure that at the very least they have a sound gospel. At least right. they believe, at least they know what the gospel is, and hopefully they believe it. The least you can do is share the gospel with your family. So we're doing this video thing, but I at least want to throw that quick challenge out to you guys. Right. And since that is the most important topic when it does come to Christianity is ultimately salvation first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind sidetracking on that for a second before we start, because that's important. So uh, let's just mention the fact that there are some Catholics out there, probably actually many Catholics out there, that are saved, right? Yeah. And what we believe as Protestants is that because salvation is simple, many of them have, at some point in their life, trusted and believed, put their faith on the finished work of the cross, that Jesus Christ paid for all of their sins, and they believe that he did that for them. He paid for all of their sins, right? And then he came back from the dead, and he's the son of God. Mm. So if you really are trusting in that to get you to heaven, we believe that you're saved, right? But then what happens is we think that they place themselves back under the curse of the law, like Galatians talks about. And the simple explanation for this is that both the Catholics and the Protestants have a different interpretation of the book of James and how the book of James correlates to the books written by Paul. Okay, so ultimately, when it comes to salvation, salvific issues, Paul is very clear. He actually speaks almost like a lawyer or like he's laying out a statement of logic. He says, if it's this, then it's not this. If it's that, then it's not this. That's the way Paul talks when he's talking about salvation. There are other things Paul talks about 
that it's a little bit hard to understand. That's what the Apostle Peter said. But when it comes to salvation, Paul is repeatedly very clear about salvation, right? But the issue is you go over to the book of James, and James seems to be adding something to what Paul said, almost to where he's saying, wait a second. So it depends on your interpretation of these books, but actually, believe it or not, we talked in our recent video Bible study. I recommend checking that out. You can check out the UGC Bible Studies playlist, especially on YouTube. I mentioned this in our recent Bible study. There's a primary division in the church between covenant theology and dispensationalism. So we are dispensationalists here at UGC. And Catholicism is also basically covenant theology. It's just a different version of that. So, for example, we always talk about the new Calvinist movement, right? Calvinists, one of their core tenets in their TULIP acronym is the P at the end of TULIP, perseverance of the saints. Guess what? That is a Catholic doctrine. Perseverance of the saints is a Catholic doctrine. (laughs) Okay, so they share an agreement there. And yet, Calvinists will still try to say, oh, but we believe in salvation by grace, without works, right? Well, Catholics will openly admit that they believe in a faith plus works salvation system. It's just the Calvinists, because they're Protestant, right? (laughs) That's why the Calvinists, in my opinion, are a confused people. We don't hate them, but because they are on the Protestant side, we have to deal with them, right? We have to, <laughs> we have to clear out muddy doctrine, especially on salvation. We can disagree on other issues, but when it comes to salvation, we're going to point out where different theologies, eschatology, etc., we are going to point out where those disagreements can lead you astray on salvation, because many times everything is tied together. When you adopt one doctrine, it's going to connect to another doctrine. It's going to all affect each other, right? Every, the way you interpret one verse will affect how you interpret the rest of the verses. That's important to understand, guys. So, okay, now that we got that cleared up, yeah, let's get into it. So let's play uh, the video now. And what's the Vatican's solution? If you wade through the interview, you can see. First of all, the Vatican is going to really empower Caritas International, which is fresh off a massive sex scandal. Another one of their priests was chasing the kids around. That hit the news, hit CNN not too long ago. Just a few months ago, we did a story on it. So they're going to partner. The Vatican's really going to push Caritas International. Forget about that whole scandal, not a big deal. And if they get Caritas International to help with the COVID relief after, after the pandemic, that means this guy is going to be out there saving the world. Francis is also promising us through Cardinal Turkson that the Vatican is going to really showcase and lead with the Pontifical Academies of Science and Life, and that's going to include these two characters, Bishop Sanchez Sarando and the United Nations climate change guru, Jeff Sachs, once again. He's going to help the world recover. What does this mean? You know, the fact that they single out these guys in their new task force, post-COVID-19 task force, means that Francis and company are actually exploiting COVID to advance a leftist, socialist, climate change agenda, if you can believe it. They're hard at it. The COVID pandemic is Mother Earth reacting to climate change, Francis tells the world. I'm not kidding. Put that up on the screen. I just, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. This sad old man 
to, in the middle of this horrific pandemic, telling the world that it's because of Mother Earth reacting to climate change, you know? Nothing to do with the justice of God that all of us who are paying attention are sort of waiting for the vengeance of Almighty God over things like abortion, mass slaughter of babies in their mother's wombs, things like gay marriage, uh, or corruption <laughs> inside the Vatican itself. Now, Cardinal Pell, the job you lost was one of the most senior in the Catholic hierarchy. You were head of the Vatican's finances. When I spoke to you in Rome a couple of years ago, or several years ago, you told me the corruption that you and your team had uncovered there as you as treasurer. You told me of a cardinal being found with a suitcase full of cash. You've told of shonky deals. You said that the mafia may have been involved. You were concerned with the safety of your staff and of documents. You had documents, copies of them hidden away at two locations overseas in case something happened to you. Have you ever considered that the trouble you were causing to corrupt officials in the Vatican was related to the troubles that have since happened to you here? Most of the senior people in Rome who are in any way sympathetic to financial reform, reform believe that they are. But, of course, COVID crisis has nothing to do with any of that. Nothing to do with the gay sex orgies. Maybe we can throw that up on the screen, too. Uh, taking place in, the, the, in apartments belonging to the former holy office, for, 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 for Pete's sakes, for heaven's sakes. Nothing to do with the clerical sex scandal raging all over the world. Nothing to do with Archbishop Carla Maria Vigano, a hero who's out there whistleblowing every day, trying to get people to realize that something has gone terribly wrong at the Vatican. Nope. You know what it really is, according to Francis? It's all about my SUV, your air conditioner, and Donald Trump's booming economy. That's what's going on here. That's what's got Pachamama ticked off, according to Francis. Now forget about that pagan idol thing that Francis himself brought into St. Peter's last year and which Bishop Athanasius Schneider, another hero, another voice, <laughs> crying in the wilderness, you know, in the church hierarchy, he called that idolatry. Nobody cared. Oh, and he also called it an abomination. <laughs> Everyone's looking at what they're doing over the Vatican. We were in Rome at the time watching this thing happen. Journalists, Protestants, people were shaking their heads. What is going on? There's a pagan ceremony going on in the Vatican Garden, and they got these weird idols in a canoe walking them into St. Peter's, into the heart of Christendom in St. Peter's Basilica. But none of this has anything to do, according to Francis, with the, what's happening to the world, going through this chastisement right now. And pay no attention, by the way, to Francis's betrayal of the underground Chinese Catholics, in which a secret deal with the Chinese communists is not going to allow those communists to appoint Catholic bishops in China. What does this mean? It means that Francis threw the entire Chinese underground Catholic church under the bus. Wow. Okay. So there was a lot going there. I, th there's just too much. Wow. Right. Now it's coming out into the light more, but the globalist agenda, right? That used to sound like a conspiracy theory, but mm -hmm. you see, now all of us that they used to say we got tinfoil hats or something, more and more things are being brought to the light, and people see that we are in the phase, they're calling it their externalization of the hierarchy, they're normalizing this and they're essentially brainwashing everybody into this globalist, global citizen mindsets. 
this communist socialistic regime is taking over the world. And the crazy thing is I've even seen people on my Facebook that are younger than us. They're maybe about eight to 10 years younger than us. Some of them are defending communism, like literally. And I was like, this is insane. Like you have to realize not that long ago in the United States, in every high school across the nation, everybody knew that communism was evil, that communism always oppresses and kills the people throughout history. These are the results of communism. Okay, Nobody would have ever taken communism seriously in the slightest, but because we have guys like Bernie Sanders who are normalizing socialism, but he gives it a different name. It's democratic socialism, right? We've never tried it before. You know, this is this here. Okay, this is the thing, right? People, humans have this tendency to, they want to trust culture. They want to believe that there's a lot of people who believe something right now, guys. You know, there has to be some truth to the cultural norm, right? And they always think that, okay, well, the most dangerous thing to be in life is to be considered fringe by the culture, right? Everybody is terrified of that. Culture is changing all the time, and whatever is normal in one age could be the opposites in another age. Humans used to believe that the earth was flat. Now we have humans again that believe the earth is flat, some of them, right? So just going with whatever is popular in your community or your culture is crazy. That's stupid. No, I'm keeping it real here. We're keeping it real, right? Because we got to reprimand that notion. That's silly. And people need to break out of that mindset because that group think, hive mindy, you know, don't think about anything, don't think for yourself. That mentality is what causes, is what has enabled the world to fall away into the state that it is right now. Right? That's true. So, yeah. and here, here's the, there are going to be other people that say, oh, I'm apolitical. I don't want to have anything to do with politics. And I think a lot of this stems from what's been going on in the 90s and the early 2000s, where everybody was trying to be politically correct. And when the media wants you to be politically correct, when you're in your social circle and you feel like you have to be politically correct in what you're saying, what's actually going on is, one, you're thought policing yourself, and number two, you're not being politically correct, you're being politically blind. And here's the thing, Aristotle, the ancient philosopher, said it this way, humans, yeah, it's not a direct quote, but this is generally, he stated, human beings are emotional creatures and therefore they're inherently political creatures. See, by introducing the concept of political correctness, what people have done is made anything controversial into, oh, you're politicizing it. That's not true. Maybe we have to change our terminology now that politics has been corrupted as a word. And here's the thing, trying to be politically correct, especially in the Christian context and being blind to what is going on in the world is what led us here in the first place. Exactly. In the spiritual Let me actually jump in on that point because yeah. I want to point out that the common thing that these people are afraid of is becoming fringe, right? They don't want to, they want to be able to get along with culture and uh, it's like it's like the most terrifying thing for most people. What if everybody 
thinks I'm so different. This is like a thing that we are supposed to get over as children, right? In our self-confidence as we grow up. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing, right? The people who are really fringe are the people who are impartial on everything. That's what really being fringe is because like Abraham said, as a human being, we are naturally inclined to be social creatures. Every action we do is like a drop in a pond. It has a ripple effect on the rest of people around us, right? You can't avoid that. So when you're being impartial to the degree and silent to the degree that most people are today, you're basically being like a hermit. You might physically be in proximity, well, not anymore with social distancing, but you might be physically around people in your community, but you are basically operating like a hermit, like a monk off in the mountains, and you're not engaging with the community. There's something wrong with that because if everybody starts doing that, what is the saying? When good people do nothing, evil prevails. That's Just right. Point. And I had a very interesting conversation with a good friend of mine. Somehow the discussion turned towards politics, and he asked me, Abraham, I don't understand why politics is important. Interesting. And my answer basically, one thing I had to clarify was that I think what a lot of people talk about when they say politics, hey, don't talk about politics, it's become an emotionally charged word. So the first thing that I had to do was get rid of that stigmatization of that concept. Because like I was saying before, the whole politically correct movement has corrupted the word politics. And look, when I was watching this video that we're playing just a few minutes ago, I was not surprised that this was going to happen. I'm sure James wasn't surprised either in that in these past few decades, if you're paying attention to the current events, the ideologies of the people that were coming into power, the laws that were being passed, what's been going on in the church and in the Catholic church, then it was crystal clear that eventually we were going to get to this position. How do we know? Well, because we were paying attention to current events. So I explained to this guy, my friend, if you don't pay attention to these current events into what people call politics, then what happens is you allow the very evils that have been going on over the past few decades, the whole leftification, the whole liberalization of the United States has been going on for so long. And these people that weren't paying attention to what was going on basically were allowing this to happen. And they didn't even know. Didn't even That's know. That's right, man. And you know what? It's taboo to talk about what are the two things that we're never supposed to talk about in social settings? Politics and religion. There you go. Politics and religion, right, man? It's like, dude, the two most important things that have the largest impact on our lives, both our everyday lives, more so with politics, and with our eternal lives, the implications that could extend into eternity depending on what you believe or where you stand with religion, right? So like the two things that have the biggest impact on our lives that we should probably figure out that we should probably take a lot of time to think about, study, decide what we believe, right? And have the freedom of speech to be able to talk about these things and discuss these topics, politics and religion, right? These are the exact two areas that are now taboo. And if you try, especially these days, if you try to bring them up, you will get the most vehement, venomous responses. 
And really, that's what the shaming is, right? That's the shame culture. It's like, oh, you're standing out. You're, you know, you're having an opinion that is outside of the culture's opinion. Then everybody shames you. Something's wrong with you. You're not getting along with other people. You need to learn how to be more harmonious. There's other ways to communicate your opinion. Actually, sometimes there's not because some opinions are founded upon a complex system of thought that requires explanation that requires education, right? This is why we go to school because we get an education. It's detailed, some things. You have to explain it, right? So you can't do that if you censor somebody's freedom of speech to express a different opinion than you. That's just fundamentally what the issue is. And so especially the leftists that in this particular instance, we agree with what Michael J. Matt here just said, the leftist they don't really see the hypocrisy in their own actions because they're oftentimes attacking and yelling at anybody who talks about politics or religion that disagrees with their interpretation of those topics. You're promoting hate speech. It's offensive to people, right? And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just ironic because it's like, that's what they're doing right? People who don't believe the same way that they do, maybe this person has studied things that you have never studied before, and that's why they came to a different conclusion, right? They could be, it's possible, check this out, leftists, it's possible that there are people out there that are even smarter than you, right? That might have studied a topic that you have no, like you haven't even grazed the surface of, okay? You don't know everything. <laughs> so, these leftists don't see the hypocrisy in their own actions because they're coming against anybody who disagrees with them and shaming those people. Oh, you're creating division, hate speech. You're rubbing people the wrong way. Guys, now we need a safe space because this person came here with a different opinion and offended everybody. They don't see that they're doing the same thing to anybody who simply shares a different opinion as them. Why, can't, why is it that you can vocalize your opinion because anybody can say and promote leftist ideologies and nobody will come against them today, right? But why is it that you can all do that and nobody who's more conservative or maybe they hold a religious belief, why is it that they can't do the same thing to you then? Why can't we look at you and say like, oh, that offends me. I need a safe space, guys. You know, I, oh, that, that belief is crazy. You believe that leftist? We don't do that. <laughs> okay, we don't do that. And yet they do it to us. So really, they're the ones who are being oppressive. There's no unity in conversation to be able to share ideas. There's no link. The communication bridge has been destroyed. The social distancing happening around the world right now is kind of like a physical manifestation of this, I believe, of what is happening in the spiritual realm, the spiritual warfare, because it's like you got to be careful what you wish for because you just might get it, right? All the leftists, they don't realize that they're, they're, they're talking about unity, but they're the ones creating the division, <laughs> okay? Because you can't think or believe differently from them without getting yelled at and ganged up on. Okay, so therefore, everybody who thinks differently from them is being silenced. And so what that does is it gives them confidence because they think now they think everybody thinks like them because nobody seems to be talking up with a different opinion because every time those people do, they shame them. Right. So it's like they have this deluded idea that everybody believes the same way they do. No, there are equally, if not more people out there who believe completely different than you they're just not talking right now because they don't want to they don't want to expend the energy to argue with a leftist and so they just keep their mouth shut and go about their life okay so this is the delusion of leftism 
And just a caveat here, being a leftist is not being a traditional or a classic liberal because the whole political spectrum has shifted further to the left, further towards socialism, communism. So now in today's day and age, a leftist is essentially really left wing, right? I have friends who are Democrats, who are liberals that are not leftists today, just to make that distinction, guys. So good point that you brought up there, Abraham, man. I think that that's something that definitely needs to be pointed out is that we should have a culture where it's generally okay to talk about politics and religion. And people don't like that because it gets people heated or something and people get offended. That's something that you have to go through and get over probably when we're in our teenage years. But because people don't have practice talking about those issues, they never get past that, right? I have friends who we share completely different ideologies on religion and politics. And both of us can say completely different things to each other without getting mad at each other, right? I can't yeah, James you and I that. disagree uh, on a know, lot of... Yeah. I mean, you, you and I, you and I disagree on some, you know, some foundational stuff and we're not fighting all the time. Right. You can't create the Borg. You can't create a hive mind <laughs> Borg entity. That is what it is. It is a singularity mind Borg entity that the leftists want. Yeah. They think that that's unity. No, that's giving up your very identity. It all ties that? in. Socialism, communism, that's why they like that stuff, right? They take refuge in not having an identity for themselves. They just want to be a clone of everybody else around them. This is so true. When I was going to college years back, there were people at that college who were a lot younger than me. And already you could see, I remember one guy got angry because somebody, he viewed somebody in the room, in the classroom as being too individualistic. And the guy literally got up and left the room. And he was like, oh, look at this guy over here. He wants to be an individual. And I was thinking, I was like, what has happened to the United States of America, bro? We are the land of the free. We are the land of individual liberty and justice for all or whatever, right? Not anymore. But, <laughs> but that's crazy. So I think one of the reasons why this has been going on is because a lot of people blindly listen to and follow what they see to be authority figures in the media, in the press, in all the different entertainment outlets that they read, watch, listen to, etc. And so when you listen to the news, did you fact check? Did you actually see whether or not what this person was saying, did you check if it was actually true or not? Or well, did you just have blindly the tools listen to, do to that. Authority. Right? They don't have the tools to assess that. They don't have the critical thinking tools. It's just that simple, right? Because the only tools they have are the socialist slash communist social skills that have been instilled in them by shame. Because their ultimate, the epitome of what they view as being a successful person in society is your ability to get along with everybody right? That's what they always use as the crux of every argument. Oh, this person believes differently than me, but they're such a nice guy. I mean, they, he gets along with everybody. It's like, that should not be <laughs> the scale that we weigh somebody's character out by. How well can you get along with everybody? That's, you know, nobody gets along with everybody because people are all different and they believe all different kinds of stuff. So, um, 
you know, what's crazy, too, is like the leftists are the ones who are actually prohibiting people from being able to question these mainstream news narratives. A big gang of leftists will just like ambush them out of nowhere and just be like, you're stupid. And they'll start trolling them. And it's like, holy cow, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to actually critically think for yourself and question what the mainstream narrative is. And so the leftists don't see that they're the ones who are actually causing that. They are creating that culture, but they themselves think that they're creating peace and unity. No, they're creating oppression. A lot of these leftists, they've become so indoctrinated in whatever that they're listening to, whatever media that they're imbibing, that, like you said, they almost have no choice but to become these people that are so against anybody that's different. Because everything in the media now is so, so much of the same. Pay attention. Wake up. Sheeple that are, you know, watching the same movies over and over again, made by the same people with the same agendas. That's right. They're idolizing their own comfort and they're sacrificing all of their freedom, all of their liberty, all of their individual identity at the end of the day. But they themselves don't see it. They're getting boiled slowly like a frog. So let's actually continue to watch some more of this. Let's play one more yeah. portion of it. An act so egregious that Chinese Cardinal, Cardinal Joseph Zen, asked the question in the press, can we passively witness the murder of the church in China by those who should protect and defend her from her enemies? He's referring to the Vatican, friends. The Vatican selling out our Chinese brothers and sisters who have suffered so much persecution, so much death for half a century because of their loyalty to the church, specifically their loyalty to the Vatican. And this Pope stabs them all in the back. There is no reason for optimism. Huh? And any agreement on the side of the Vatican may be seen as a collaboration with the government. Uh, to, uh, to persecute our own people. And of course, Francis is ignoring Cardinal Zen because that's what he does best. Francis is ignoring Cardinal Burke. Remember the dubia cardinals? Two of the four are now dead, waiting for his humbleness to respond. He's just ignoring them. He ignores them all. He ignores Archbishop Vigano. He will not take responsibility for anything because he has the power, because he's in the white suit. He thinks he doesn't have to. And so here's the question for all of us, friends, and I will close on this. If Francis is willing to betray our Chinese Catholic brothers and sisters who stood loyally for all those years in, 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 in solidarity with the Vatican, why in the world would he hesitate to betray all of us, to betray our children, when it comes to the tyrannical new world order that's trying desperately now to rise up and for us? Why, why would we count on Francis? You see why I say this is such a dangerous moment? This Pope is such a dangerous person. Because very soon, friends, we will not have recourse to Mother Church. When things go really bad, we will not be able to turn to Mother Church because Mother Church and her human element will be on their side. Okay. Hey, no, 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 no,
Eh no, non, non rispondo, al sindaco rispondo dopo la messa. Eh bene, no, durante la messa io non, non, non voglio. Eh bene, allora dico che io adesso non sono disponibile perché sto celebrando. No. You see where this is going, friends? You see where it's been going for such a long time? This is what traditional Catholicism has always been about. It wasn't just the Mass, friends. And now we can see that the Pope himself is one of them. He's on the wrong side. He's all in with them, with the Gateses and the Soros and the United Nations. And this is why he keeps rattling on and on about our common home and climate change and all of these things, rather than saying what he should be saying, friends, which is making an urgent papal call about the need for us all to turn back to Almighty God before it's too late. They've been beating the Catholic Church down for so long. If we would go back to God, we would become those ten just men of Sodom for whom God promised he would spare the city. He would spare the city of man. It's not too late. But we need to go back to him and what it's been about for so long. So they bulldozed the, the mass, they bulldozed the altars and the sanctuaries, they eradicated religious life, destroyed the nuns and the sisters and the monks and the monasteries, because that's what held everything together in the Catholic Church. And finally, the coup de grace, the total abandonment of the social kingship of Christ. This is a doctrine of the church, friends. Under pain of mortal sin, we must accept the doctrine of the kingship of Christ. And yet the social kingship of Christ, the doctrine, was ignored completely at the Second Vatican Council, which took place in the middle of the Cold War against communism, against atheism, against the devil. Why? Why did Vatican II ignore the social kingship of Christ? The entire takeover was about one thing, uncrowning Christ the King and establishing a Masonic Brotherhood of Man. And that's what they're trying to roll out right now, even here in America, my friends. It's all so clear. Yeah, we need to make America great again, but let's make the Catholic Church Catholic again. And that's what we're all about here at the Remnant. That's what the traditional Catholic movement has always been about for 50, 60 years, making the Catholic Church Catholic again, tying ourselves to the mast of tradition so that we can withstand the winds of modernism and secularism and liberalism that are tearing the world apart right now. Our churches during this pandemic were closed. They shut us out of our own churches. They shut us down. They took away our sacraments. And they will continue to do this. They will continue to have their way with us until the church returns to what made her invincible. And what made her invincible for 2,000 years was tradition. Wow, right? So I have to caveat this again because there are going to be certain of our Protestant listeners that are going to be worried or concerned that we're agreeing in some areas with what these guys are saying, right? So don't worry, guys. We're not compromising on our doctrine to try and be ecumenical here or something like that, right? But at the same time, it's interesting, right? It's interesting because you're seeing this in the church, both on the Catholic side and on the Protestant side. What you're seeing is more and more, the popular, prominent, mainstream churches are getting more and more corrupt in the days that we live in, right? This is apparent now on the Protestant side as well. So it's really funny, right? So we have the Underground Church podcast here. So we're a podcast. We're not an official church. But we recognize that this corruption and this divide is happening 
on the Protestant side as well. So you have, it's almost like you have the real Catholics, if that's what you want to call them over here, right? And then you have on the Protestant side as well, believe me, there are the remnant, if you want to call us that, because God always had that typology throughout history in the Bible as well. There was always the remnant, the faithful, where the majority would often go astray. There was always a remnant. And so, right, so we got this newspaper here, you got the UGC podcast over on the Protestant side, and um, yeah, because we recognize on our side the less popular Protestant churches that people don't really know about. For example, the churches that might stand upon the King James Bible for us and that continue to stand with dispensational theology, which simply means we strive to take the Bible at its word literally when God is speaking plainly and literally, as we believe that that is the fundamental function of language. So if God chose to communicate to us using language, uh, when he's being literal, we take him at his word. We believe what he says, right? Unless he's obviously being symbolic or figurative, right? So yeah, that's our system of interpretation is dispensationalism for the Bible, right? So that belief system has been actually, what's funny is he talked about Vatican II, right? He said that Vatican II is what led the Catholic church into apostasy, And now we're seeing the fruits of that over time, right? On the Protestant side as well, we believe that in 1944, well, in 1944, there was a meeting held by prominent Calvinists slash Presbyterians. And what they did was they called out the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, which is the flagship seminary for dispensational theology. So they called him out and they said, we believe that that dispensationalism attacks the very heart of our theology, right? So now there's this divide where we think that that's actually where the apostasy on the Protestant side started, right? And what's very interesting is not three or four years later, three and a half years later, something like that, Israel got reinstated as a nation. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the Jews will be grafted back in and that all Israel will be saved, once the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. So we're in this transition period right now where it's going to switch back to God dealing with Israel as a distinct nation. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 11 that concerning the gospel, Israel is our enemy concerning the gospel. Okay, They're not our enemy in all aspects, but concerning the gospel, they're actually our enemies for our sakes and that they're temporarily blinded. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, and that's why the Bible admonishes the Gentile world that we have to be careful because like a branch, we can be cut off and then Israel is going to be grafted back in because all of Israel shall be saved. So yeah, guys, really interesting stuff happening on both the Catholic side and the Protestant side. You can kind of see this is interesting, right? A lot of times you realize this as you study and have more experience dealing with people of different denominations. But when you first start out in any form of ministry, you tend to think black and white. You think like, okay, it's clean cut. What we believe, we're the only ones who have all the answers. We're the Catholics or we're this denomination of Protestant. Okay. We have it all right. Everybody else is wrong. That's what you tend to believe, right? We're promoting the real unity of the church, Whatever denomination, Catholic or non-Catholic, everybody 
when they start out, tends to have this mindset, right? But you realize when you interact with people of different denominations, you realize it's not as black and white because there are areas where you can agree with them on certain areas. And you're like, wow, I didn't know that you guys actually agreed with us there, right? But then on other areas, you're like, oh, I can't agree with you there, right? And so the wisdom and discernment comes from understanding which doctrines are vital, which doctrines are pillars that you cannot compromise on with other groups. So unfortunately, it is true, like, salvation, for example, we disagree with Catholics on salvation, which is like the fundamental, most important issue. So as much as we can be friends with them, I can have a conversation with any Catholic, right? But as much as we can do that, we can't compromise there. So that's why we have to draw the line. And yeah, so I just wanted to make that clear, guys. So don't, don't worry. Once again, we're not going ecumenical here. We're not trying to go be politically aligned and direct people to the Catholic Church. That's not what we're doing, okay? So we just wanted to show this so that you can have a bigger picture understanding. You could take a step back from whatever bubble, whatever black and white thinking you might have had and practice that critical thinking to realize, okay, which issues are prioritized that we can't compromise here, but what does the Bible also say? As much as possible, we have to strive to get along peaceably with all men, right? So we should not have this black and white thinking and approach to dealing with people, because how are you going to sway them and convert them to your side if you just view each other as the enemy? Because there can't be a conversation, there can't be a dialogue there if you simply view each other as, oh, this person is stupid, they're the enemy, they're heretics, right? You have to figure out which areas are worth taking a stand like that for. Now, I got to say this too, right? Because there are preachers that we have called out on our channel and the reason why we did it like that is because we know from their history, they're very popular as well. So they have a mass influence, number one, right? And everybody is afraid to challenge those guys because they have this mass influence. They're so popular and stuff. But at the same time, we know their history, that they have been approached at multiple times with alternative viewpoints, and they've consistently, continually just rejected it over and over again. So maybe... Let's just say, hey, if we're right here, if our doctrine is straight, maybe God was very patient with them for decades, some of them, right? And finally, he had <laughs> maybe UGC podcast got started, right? And we're just going in on these guys. We're like, okay, time is up, guys. Uh, you're having this massive influence. And on top of that, we have a leftist culture where people have a difficulty thinking for themselves to challenge that and to question that. You know, they're afraid to get excommunicated by whatever bubble they're in. Right, so here's UGC podcast that shows up on the scene, and we're now calling out many things. So don't think that we're being hateful. We have taken the big picture into account, and we don't hate anybody. Okay, we don't hate anybody, but we do believe that there is a time to put your foot down, and to we have to reclarify the doctrines of the church on the Protestant side. Okay, very interesting stuff, guys. Very interesting stuff going on here. Stay tuned, guys. I think we're going to always be covering some interesting topics here at the UGC podcast. It, it reminded me of, I think it, it was in First Kings, Elijah, after that fiery sacrifice. So, so Elijah had shown up all the people that worship Baal. And one of the things that God says is still there are 7,000 who have not bowed to Baal, nor has kissed his feet. 7,000. So are you one of the 7,000? Are you the Elijahs who are actively fighting against the evil that's going on, fighting against the false doctrines, fighting against all this? Like I say all the time, 
The closer you get to God, the more you're going to seem like a fool in the eyes of the world. And with that, God bless. We will see you guys next time.